you take your Bibles, if you would please turn with me to John chapter 6. The Gospel of John chapter 6. We'll begin reading at verse 22. John chapter 6, begin reading with verse 22. I'm going to introduce to you a series of messages this morning. Uh, for at least, at least the next three weeks, the Lord willing, and, and that's the direction we go. Um, that's going to be a little bit interesting to you. It's going to be a little bit... Um, I'm going to really meddle a lot. And so I know that we usually take the, the, the uh, podcast is always from the north side... And so usually on the south side, I'm a lot uglier sometimes because I know that it won't be recorded, but it's going on the web today, so look out. John chapter 6, verse 22, and on the following day when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, But his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread. And after the Lord had given thanks, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into the boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, Master, Teacher, when did you come here? How many of you know it's not good to lose track of Jesus? You know, you read this and you go, how did you lose the Son of God? How did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal, His approval upon Him, Jesus. I want you to jump forward to another writing of John, and that's in Revelation chapter 3. Just put your thumb there in John 6. We're going to be mostly in John 6, but I want to set the stage for the next couple of weeks also. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And the angel, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, Right. Everybody say Laodiceans. That's a big word, I know, but try it again. Laodiceans. Oh yeah, you got it. You, you just right. These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor and neither cold nor hot. And this is a this is tough reading, okay? For some of you in American church and American culture that don't wander out of the Psalms, this is going to be like a little like a smack in the face. But I want you to get a clear picture of the God you serve and his heart for you. He says, I would you either be hot or cold. And if you if he says, So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot. I will vomit. That is the exact trans. I've looked at that word, you know, in the Greek and all that. It means puke. I mean, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have needed nothing 
and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. That is mercy, friends. When God, whenever you read where God doesn't want something revealed, it usually includes His mercy and His love over you to keep you. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Everybody say repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with... This is huge. To him who overcomes. No other... There's seven promises in the seven letters to the church in Asia. This is the biggest one of all of them. Did you know that? This is the grand prize of the grand prize. And here it is. I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It was back in September, end of the last month of September, and Elizabeth and I had been back we, are, uh, we had helped start a church right outside of Kansas City, Missouri. One of our longtime friends and associates had moved back there years ago, about eight, nine years ago, and eventually started a church and were on the eldership of that church and kind of are the papa to that church. And so we go back and we visit and we play and spend time at the house of prayer. And, of course, we're back seeing our daughter, too. And, and I go back for the food. Um, <laughs> Kansas City food is just remarkable. Uh, but uh, my friend Asa, and I know that Asa is listening this morning, and, uh, and so he'll be listening to this because I texted him today and said, tell Isaac to listen. But Asa has two children. When, we, when Asa first came to us, Asa had been a pastor in the city of Portland and had gone through some rough water, and, and we had been a place of restoration for them and his wife. And at the time... He had a three-and-a-half-year-old little girl who was, Mackenzie is still to this day one of the most beautiful children I've ever come to know. And they had a little boy. He was about eight months old. We called him Melonhead. And uh, his name was Isaac. And our friendship became so close that one day Carol and Asa set Elizabeth and I down and said, we have a request to ask of you. And uh, I said, well, what is it? And they said, if anything happens to us, we want you to raise Mackenzie and Isaac. And so I immediately said, can I have a doctor's readout of your health? Because <laughs> So the years have gone by and we have remained very, very involved in the life of those two children. We were in Kansas City at least four or five times a year in their home and stay with them. And over the years, you know, uh, Papa Steve and... And Elizabeth have been in their life. And Isaac is, Mackenzie's the cute one that she's a cheerleader this year. And you know, she, you know, how many of you know a cheerleader? The wind just blows, that's all I can say. Rah. And, uh, you know, but they're, they're straight A students. They're, they're just, but Isaac's an intense little guy. 
And he's a sixth grader, seventh grader, and he came to his dad and he said, you know what, dad? He said, uh, I want to start a Bible study at the middle school. His dad said, well, sure, Isaac, go, go for it. So Isaac, on his own, by himself, went to school, got the permission, got the room for Bible study. And the first Tuesday, when we were back there in September, he had his first Bible study. And he came home, and he was jacked, man. He was pumped. He said, Dad, 23 kids showed up today. And, and, and he says, man, the bummer of the deal was, he says, Dad, we hadn't planned well enough. We only had enough donuts for half a donut for each person. Obviously, he'd brought a dozen donuts or a couple dozen. And so, so he said, so he said, well, we'll make sure next, next week. And so a couple weeks went by and my phone rang. And it was my friend Ace and he says, my son came home and said the most profound thing to me today after Bible study. And I said, what? How's attendance? He says, attendance is fine. But he says, you've got to hear the heart of your godson. And I said, well, tell me what he said. He says, Isaac came home and he slumped under the couch and sat there and Asa says, honey, what's, Isaac, what's, what's bothering you? He says, Dad, every, every Tuesday I plan my lesson and I, I plan what we're going to study from the Bible. And he says, I'm realizing after three weeks they're only coming for the donuts. And the Spirit of God began to deal in my heart. And I want to, I want to just, we're going to stretch ourselves this morning, but I want that reward at the end of Revelation 3. I want to be a person who can rule and reign in partnership with Jesus Christ. I want to be able to say of my internship on this planet, the 70 plus years, whatever it may be, as I prepare to rule and reign with Christ throughout eternity, I want to say in my internship that I just did not come for the donuts. So the title of our series of messages that we're preaching the next three weeks is they just came for the donuts. Where true relationship begins, religion ends, and intimacy lives. Where true relationship begins, religion ends, and intimacy lives. As I listen to Isaac's experience, and I've checked on him since then, and he, he's, they're still doing fine, but they've dropped off a little bit in attendance, as things always do, because... Donuts are always good for a while. And you either get a better donut or nobody shows up. Vision and passionate expectations. You know, Isaac had a vision, he had passionate expectations, but they began to face but he began to face real life responses and desires. And one of the things that he learned, and I'm glad he's learning because I've never seen a young man with such a compassion for people and the call of God on his life as Isaac has. But one of the things that, that he began to learn is that people in our culture, adapt, we adapt our environment to what our real desires, appetites, and tastes are. Now this is going to get a little stretchy, Okay. But Northside, it's time for us to come to the party. 
And Papa wants to tell you this morning, God has more for you than a program on Sunday morning that's exciting and good and video announcements and great worship, etc., etc. There's more to God than a Sunday morning. There's more to God than donuts around a coffee table with a cup of coffee looking at the Scripture and saying, wow, God is good. There is a life and a lifestyle and an intimacy that's in God that is beyond what you could ever dream of. I told Elizabeth a few days ago, a couple of weeks ago, Katie will call, and I'm anxious for Katie to get home at the same time. I don't know if I'm going to get her home. Because Katie will call, and when we were there visiting... Um, right now, her schedule, some of you would faint at her schedule, but Katie is up by 6 o'clock in the morning in the prayer room till 10 o'clock, goes to class till 3 o'clock, goes back to the prayer room. And, and, I, thought, and I asked her, I said, Sis, is that required? She says, No, Dad, you don't understand. You don't understand that something inside of me has changed. That, and we would watch her. We'd be sitting in a restaurant and she'd start getting fidgety. See, what's wrong? And she's looking at her watch. She says, well, normally I'm praying right about now. And she just, and we've watched it. You see, there is a life that's way beyond the church life that you live right now. There is an everyday life of intimacy with God. Yes, you have to work. Yes, you have a family and needs. But let me tell you something. Those begin to get taken care of when you move into a relationship and intimacy with God begins. As many of you know, just, just, just to let you know how serious we are about this, as many, as many of you know, my wife, prior to us uh, taking over the north side, Elizabeth had been working in the public schools with special education and enjoyed her job and yet the pressures of church and everything and this summer the Lord just began to drop on both of our hearts that the income was nice but there was something more that God wanted for us as a family. And so this fall my wife did not go back to work. Now that's dumb in this economy. Amen? Come on. However, I can tell you we're already beginning to see the fruit of what's happening from her spending that intimate time with God. You saw it last Sunday morning as the Holy Spirit came into that gymnasium on the south side and began to do... I'm telling you what, our phone was hot all week of miracles that God was doing. What was happening? God is wanting to pull the church away from its donuts and into some real meat. God is wanting to pull the church away from the sugary high of our neatly designed church services into something that will literally fill them with eternity. Come on. And so we, 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 what happens when we live by our desires, our appetites, and our tastes, pretty soon there's a lack of connectivity with God. Yesterday I had the most horrible experience and I had to pray through it not only once but about a thousand times. I had to make sure that I was not near a ball-peen hammer because that's how I fix things. And my computer decided to go south for the winter. I'm in mid-typing some stuff and doing some stuff and all of a sudden a blue screen shows up with funny writing. So I shut it off, turn it on, do some things, and now it works, 
but I can't connect to the Internet. Now, you've got to understand something. I'm not this smart. To me, you turn it on and you use it. You don't need to know what's on the inside. You just turn it on and you use it. And if it doesn't you if it doesn't work, you throw it away and get a new one. <laughs> but I can't throw this one away cuz it's got my life on it right now. And so I'm, you know, so now I it's working, but I can't connect. And what was happening was I'd get on there and so I started going through all the drivers and I'm doing all the stuff that, you know, the Windows says you're supposed to do, liars. And, and I'm doing all that stuff and I'm doing it all. And you know what? I keep getting this screen comes up, says, you are not connected. You have a signal, because it's, it's wireless. You have a signal and you can see the signal is pulsing. It's good. You're not connected. And the Holy Spirit says, that's your life. Uh huh. He says, you've got a heart. You kind of want God. You're willing to spend time with Him, but you haven't connected with His heart yet. And therefore, when you don't connect, you can't download. And when you can't download, there ain't the right information flowing into your life. Come on. And here we are. We start to live for the donuts in life and we begin to lack connectivity with the heart of Jesus. And when there is a lack of connectivity, then we begin to rely solely on our desires, appetites, and our taste. And that tells us what is relevant to our life, by the way. Your tastes tell you what is relevant to your life. Now, now donuts are exciting. I love a good donut. I remember, I remember when our middle daughter lived in Pensacola, Florida for a while, and for a couple, three years where she met Jody, and, and uh, Jody's her husband, it's not a girl, Jody is a boy, but in the South they name their boys girl names, I'm just letting you know. I thought that wasn't true until he introduced me to his brother-in-law whose name's Carol, and I go, man, what happened? You know, he says, don't ask. So anyway, so when we, I remember... Get, we, 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 we were in Pensacola one Sunday, one Saturday, in fact it was, and, and uh, I had found this place that I didn't, did not know existed. It was back in the late 90s. That this light would come on this donut shop. And I'd watch cars start streaming to the donut. I thought, wow. And about that time, when I first saw it, it just so happened that I see this big white car pull in, happened to be the pastor of Brownsville Assembly of God, where the revival was going on. He's going in because the Krispy Kreme donut sign was lit. Well, I didn't know, but as you can tell, I don't mind a good donut once in a while. So I thought, I'll go, and I'm telling you what, you know, I, I, remember, I remember one time flying back across the United States, I was still employed at that time by, by a major denomination. I remember I'd been back in the South and I was flying back to Portland and I carried on my lap, because they didn't have them out here at that time, a whole dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts. You know, it only takes two of those and you're high. Because <laughs> they're pure sugar. They are not good for you. Although, it's, I've heard that Paula Dean makes bread pudding out of them, which i kind of fantasizing about that a little bit. But, um, but there's a problem with living on just donuts. 
donuts can get you in trouble. And in the spiritual life, how many of you really enjoyed last Sunday? I mean, really, it, it, it was amazing. The worship was when both, our, when our whole body, but here's one of the things. I don't want you to live on that. There are, here's what's happening in the church. We've got two extremes in the church today. We either have a super programmed situation where down to the last ug, ah, and amen, everything is programmed, or we have absolute chaos that they call the moving of the Holy Spirit, which I don't see that in the Bible. I see order, and I see freedom. And what's happening is, either way, you want your donuts, but you don't want relationship. And let me tell you something, in the natural, relationship is not disorderly, it is very orderly. If you have disorder in your relationships, you have dysfunction in your relationships. Come on. But when there's true heart intimacy, there's heart order. And when there's heart order, God moves and God does some very miraculous things. Now I want you to look at where's Waldo this morning. You'll notice here that they had come and this, is, this passage in John 6 is following the feeding of the 5,000 and then Jesus goes away to rest and to pray. The disciples get in a boat and... As you look at the Gospels, what happens next is a storm comes up. You remember that? And the disciples think they're going to drown. And Jesus walks on the water, comes to their storm, and together they go off to Capernaum. Now the crowd who had been to the feast where Jesus had taken the five you know, the, the loaves and the fishes, and he turned them into a banquet that fed 5,000. How many of you would remember that? <laughs> Come on, I mean, that's pretty significant and pretty tasty. I mean, fish witches for everybody. It was a massive outpouring of food. In fact, there was so much there that the Bible says they had 12 baskets of each left over that they distributed. Pretty good. But here's the deal. The crowds are following Jesus and for some reason they weren't paying attention and they lost where he went. And so they start looking for him and they finally find him. Now I want to throw this in. When you are seeking donuts, you don't know his movements or his timing. When you're wanting just the sugary high of a worship service or the sugary high of a well-planned service or the sugary high of great video or the sugary high of certain kind of music, you will not know his movements or his timing in an issue because those only come to those who relate to him on a personal basis. It's the personal relationship that the church needs to start getting involved with. It's the personal, everyday relationship. I'm not concerned about Sunday mornings right now. I'm concerned about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's where it counts right for me. Because I can act a certain way on Sundays. But it's Monday. It's Tuesday. It's in the middle of a Laodicean culture that I find myself in trouble. 
And if I'm just eating donuts, I'm going to have my super highs. Have you ever, we, our grandson, man, you let him sniff sugar, he's on the ceiling. I mean, boom, you know. But then he comes down. Oh, my, my, my. When he comes down, just hide. Get up, just leave. Because when he comes down, he comes down. And uh, he'll come, I, I, his mother, I think, always drops them by the house when he's on the low part. When you are seeking donuts, you don't know his movements or his timing. And they ask, Jesus, when did you come here? How would you get here? Where you been? Isn't it amazing when we are seeking after our appetites and our desires and the things we want, we wake up one day, instead of asking how we got there, we ask, Jesus, where did you go? God, where would you go? And God's going, I, I haven't gone anywhere. But you've been too busy with your appetites and your desires and your selective taste buds that you haven't been able to follow my movements or my timing. Let me tell you something. In the decade and the century that we are in right now, there are definite movements going on in the heavenlies. There's definite timing going on. You as a student of the Word, as a person who wants to be more than just a church attender, you need to get acquainted with the movements of God in the Scripture, especially about the end time movements of God and how God is doing things right now. There's some timing involved. There's some things involved. And I don't want to be looking for donuts when God is moving. I know they go, man, this is Sunday morning and, you know, you got to go do another service in a little bit. You need to be more careful and more easy on us. No, I'm telling you something. I don't want to be a part of a donut church. I want to be a part of a church that is seeking the one who God has put his approval on. There has to be a change in our diet. Relationship brings you into familiarity with his movements and his timing. Elizabeth and I have been together long enough that there's certain things she knows about me. And I, I, I remember like with the kids, you talk about relational familiarity. I remember when Katie, our youngest, she's now 26. I remember Katie when she was <clears throat> three or four years old. Now, one of the things with Katie, you have to understand her relationship with her sisters. When she was three years old, the girls... Uh, both Jen and Steph were in school and one day she was playing and she noticed that they were at school. And so she comes to her mom and she says, Mom, where are those girls that live here? Where'd they go? The other unique thing about Katie was this. You could set your watch to it. We'll be driving down. We'd be driving down the road and we lived half that time happened to live in the upper Hood River Valley and we'd be heading into Hood River and or into Portland, and Kate would be in the back seat and driving along. All of a sudden, she'd go, Dad, what? And this kid didn't have a watch. Three, four years old, she'd go, it's 12.00. What do you mean, honey? It's lunchtime. And I'd look down at my watch, and God is my witness. It'd be 12 o'clock. We began to learn her movements and her timing, that her little body was set up that at 12 o'clock you best feed the child because if you didn't, there was issues that would come. And she'd start in at 12.00, Dad, don't you think it's time for lunch? And I'd go, how do you know that? And her mom goes, just hang around her long enough, you learn how she moves. 
A lot of times God starts doing things and we go, I didn't know he was doing that because we're not familiar with his movements and his timing. Now look at this. Hunger determines our search. When you are seeking donuts, getting satisfied is based on your senses and your appetites. Look at this. Look at verse 26 of John 6. Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Now listen, listen. When relationship begins, true relationship. Now listen, this is, this is where, the, where all of us are start. Some of us are starting to move right now. This is what God is doing in, in the hearts of your leadership. I can tell you in our staff and everywhere else, what's going on is God is messing with our heads. And here's where He's messing. When your relationship begins, it brings you into a place where you will starve yourself. We can call it the fasted lifestyle if you want. But you'll starve yourself to be a part of Him. And how many of you remember when you first fell in love? Oh, come on. I, I, I love, that's why, you know, I, 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 even though junior high, we have a lot of junior hires, even though junior hires are somewhat on the demented side of things due to the chemical imbalance in their life, you know, and how many high schoolers believe that junior hires are just a little bit off? Okay, yeah, that's true. <clears throat> I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> but here's the deal. Have you ever watched a junior hire fall in love? It's hilarious. Some of you are chuckling, but you were the junior hire that we were watching. And pretty soon you'll notice, it doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl, they'll be picking at things on their plate at dinner. Well, honey, why don't you eat? And here, I don't know. As a dad of girls, when I got, I don't know, I'm going, oh, good grief. Who is he? What's his name? And how much harm do I need to do to him? Oh, Dad. Funny story. Funny but true. Jennifer, she's left. I can tell this one. <laughs> this is your youth pastor's wife. Jennifer, when she was 12 years old, we had, her, we had her in Christian school, man. We thought, we are clamping down on all evil influence in her life. <laughs> they don't tell you that Christian school is just as screwed up as public school. Okay, and so so then we went to homeschooling and just hung there. Okay, uh, homeschool wound up being the choice. But I remember Jen coming home and Stephanie, who was a rat, the middle the middle kid, always posts. She says, "Dad, Jen got in trouble at school today." And I I, I don't know if any of you ever been in Christian school where they did the ACE program. You know the you put well, this teacher caught her holding hands outside with the boy. Now, you got to understand, I'm a total dad to my girls. I mean, it's like, so I was outraged. I said, Jennifer, get in here. Let me see your hands. Said, I said, go wash your hands. What, Dad? I said, just go wash them. And I turned to her, I said, get the other two in here. So here comes my four-year-old, Actually, she was more like five or six. My five, six-year-old, my nine-year-old, my 12-year-old, they're all three years apart. I get all three of them in there. I said, sit down. Kate's going, what? 
I said, be quiet. If you listen to this, it'll save you some hassle. I said, Jennifer's busted. She's grounded for the next two weeks. And Steph goes, as if she didn't know, well, why? I'm going, because she touched a boy. And my wife's going, what? I'm going, and I'm, I'm over at Kate. And if you ever touch a boy, I'll spank you, and I'll spank you, and you just go to your room. I've had it. No boys in this house. And of course, Steph goes, well, what are you? And I go, just shut up. <laughs> okay, how many of you know what I mean? When you fall in love, you don't worry about your appetite. You don't worry about the donuts. You can go for days on very little nourishment. Why? Because... <laughs> Your attention is on something other than your senses and your appetite. Your attention is on a person. And the movements and the timing and everything in that person. You are attached to finding out about that person. And food and dinner times and everything else are set aside. Why? You have established a relationship that you hope moves into into intimacy. I watch it, I've watched it in our own life, and I watch it now in the life of the church. Isaac was completely right. There are times that it's so discouraging because you know that people are only coming to church for the donuts. And what are the, what are you talking about the donuts? Well, physically, you know, the donuts, that's fine. I mean, and this is this is the truth. If you if I was to throw a potluck next week, our attendance would triple overnight. It's amazing the word gets out. And every believer you haven't seen in two years always shows up for the potluck. But it's beyond that. We have to have our tastes met in how the pastor preaches. We have to have our tastes met in the building. We have to have... You know what? People say, well, don't you wish you had your own building right now? Well, sort of, but then I really pray about it. And I want to see a strong church before we have a building. Because guess what? The timing that's coming, we're going to need a strong church more than we need a good building. Come on. We're getting prepared for what's coming, right? We're getting prepared for what the Scripture says is coming down. And it's going to be a good thing because there's a glorious church. It's going to be a great day, but it's also going to be a terrible day. And we've got to learn to live in the balance of that. And living in the balance of that is this. We've got to wean ourselves from our tastes and what people say church is. This week, I'm not going to go into the details yet because we're still praying for, through it, but we were so impacted as a staff by last week that it literally, Sunday night, I was still reverberating saying, God, what are you saying to us as True Life Church in, in Vancouver and in Portland? What are you saying to us? And so we started as a staff this week saying, okay, what does God say? Because the last two times... Both churches have come together. It's been like dynamite. God, what are you doing? What are you saying? And so we've started bouncing around on some ideas. How can we get the, the body to get the two bodies together more and still minister to the two areas like God's called us to do? How can we do it? And one of the things that certainly came, and I, and I know that we, we bounced some of these ideas off of other pastors and they're kind of looking at us like one of the ideas we had, and I won't go into it because it might become a reality, we bounced it off. I had Brian bounce it off a couple of people and they're looking at him like, that won't work. And this morning we were driving over, Brian and I drive over here together, and, and I said, well, how did that conversation go? And he says, you know what? 
I realized in my heart, sometimes God calls you to something that other people don't understand. Sometimes God begins to deal with your taste buds and changes what you want to what is best. Now listen to this. Donuts don't last. When you're seeking donuts, and we're going to wind this up in just a moment, but you are not concerned about true nourishment. (laughs) Or long-term. I've never had a long-term relationship with a donut. See, donuts are just temporary in their value. It's amazing to me. You know what's amazing? You know, growing up in the church for all of my life, I've seen so many changes come and go. What was in today is out tomorrow. And you get to thinking about that and you go, wait a second, stop just a minute. The problem with fad church today is this, the basics, prayer. Man, I'm telling you something. We wouldn't have to worry about whether we got a video thing going or a microphone or nothing. If the body was, if we were praying as we should, let me tell you something, that nothing stops prayer. There's not a principality or power that I know of can stop true prayer by a corporate and body and by individuals. When we decide to pray, things begin to happen. Katie, Katie sent me some stuff just recently. International House of Prayer in Kansas City had their 10th anniversary. It was amazing. They've been going out 10 years. And I, I remember the first time that we, my wife and I stumbled onto it, one of, the, one of our prayer intercessors, we have a group of intercessors around us that kind of watch after us on the south side. And one of my intercessors had been back, in business, back on business in, in year 2000, 1999, 2000. Prayer room was only about a year old. It was meeting in two old trailers. I mean, they were nasty, these nasty old trailers there out in Grandview. And, uh, and she came back. She says, Pastor, next time you go, we were just planning the church there in the Kansas City area at the time. And she says, next time you go back to check on the church, she says, here's an address that I want you to visit. So I remember the first time Elizabeth and I, we found this, this, these two double wide trailers that had been put together and we thought, you know, you know, remember donuts? In our American mind, if it doesn't look good, we kind of think. That's why I really like the show Diners, Dives, and you know what I'm saying. You know, because, you know, <laughs> I remember walking through the doors into that place the first time. And it was just like God threw a switch on in both of us. It was like we, we found home. There's not been a year since that we haven't spent a, a lot of time. But here's the deal. They just celebrated their, last, their 10th anniversary. One of the things that Pastor Mike had said when he started that, he told God, he says, God, I will never beg you or beg the people for money. If you want to do it, we'll pray it in. On the Sunday that they had their their 10th anniversary, the prayer now is moving to where they're starting to reach into the Kansas City area with with homes for girls and all kinds of stuff is happening. And, And their next project was going to cost X amount of dollars. That Sunday... That Sunday's offering was $1 million. Now, now here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's wonderful, but you can't be eating donuts. Because here's the deal. If you're eating donuts, you're going to just want to have more donuts with what God gives. 
Well, that got ugly. God wants to give you things. God wants to move you into areas. But it's not so you can feed your appetite anymore. He wants to bring you into a relationship with Him and intimacy with Him for where His heart dictates your movements. You hearing me? I know that's a lot. I know it's a lot. Hang in there. When seeking donuts, we have a tendency to not perceive the significance of the moment. They didn't perceive the significance of the moment that here stood before them the Son of God whom God Himself had put His seal of approval on. You know what? It was amazing that they missed that. When You see, people who eat donuts don't care what the ingredients are. They simply are satisfied by taste. I mean, when's the last time you got a hot Krispy Kreme and you knocked on the window as you're paying for it and said, excuse me, could you tell me what type of flour you use? Is this whole grain flour? Like, right. Nothing whole grain tastes decent. Come on. What type of sugar did you use? Is this, is this made with, with NutraSweet? You don't ask what the ingredients are, do you? I've never, I've not even bought a box of packaged donuts. Or how many of you know who little Debbie is? She's a sweetie. I got to tell you. Woo! I've been to where little Debbie's are made in, in College Dale, Tennessee. We have a family that lives there. I, I wanted them, I wanted to immediately go to the factory. You know, I want to meet little Debbie because she's been a friend of mine for a long time. But you don't snag up some little Debbie's and go, excuse me one moment, I want to check the ingredients. That's the problem with donut eaters. They don't check for nourishment. And one of the things that God is burdening the staff of this church with is this. We need to be concerned. You may not like some of the messages and things that are being preached to you right now. It may smack against your donut eating ways, but I want you to know you'll die eating donuts, friends. And there is a nourishment from the Word of God and from a relationship with God that will grow you strong. Psalms 1 says that we're to be like trees planted by the rivers of living water that bring forth forth fruit in due season. Friends, I think it's time for the church to get off the donuts and get on to bearing fruit. But that starts when we say, you know what, I'm setting it aside and I'm going for the relationship. I'm going to plug in to what Jesus has. Now I'm going to close this part this morning and we'll get, how many of you want to hear more next week? How many of you want to get rid of your donuts? You know what, Sam, stand up, stand up, Sam. Look at this guy. 70 days, 27 pounds. Give me my... I'll bet, Sam, that didn't happen with a dozen donuts every day. No, it didn't. He, I said, how would you do that? He says, I just eat less than I take in. And I, he's been running and stuff. I mean, how many of you can see Sam running? You know, I, me, they say, are, are you jogging? I said, well, I laid down when I thought about it. But, I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying. We've got to change our diet here. We've got to change what we're doing. I want you to look at this verse. Go to, it's weird. It's a weird passage. John 6, verse 66. <laughs> 666. That's strange. Jesus has just gone through His great discourse on, on preaching and teaching that He was the bread of life. And I've got to take a lot of time to get into that this morning in that He says, 
He says, unless you eat of me and drink of me, you have no part of me. Jesus was all about the food. And by the way, the Bible is all about food. The Bible is all, you know, every analogy, you know, Paul would use the analogy of meat. He says, you, you want milk and I want to give you meat. He says, you're still on the bottle and I've got some T-bones over here waiting for you, but you, you, you are so addicted to milk. Well, this is, Jesus offended people and this is what, he, this, this is what happened. You know, Jesus, Jesus had told them, listen, the Spirit who gives life to pre- the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak, they're to be spirit, they're to be life to you, they're to be changed to you, they're to be everything to you. They're, they're, they're a reward to those who diligently seek them. They're a reward to your spirit. And look, look what the response he gets. When he began to take their donuts away, look at the response. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. That's huge. I, used, I, I, I read this scripture and I see in Matthew where it says in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. I think, God, what do you mean? You know, what, what, what is this, this going cold love thing all about? And here's the deal. There's coming a day, friends, whether you're ready for it or not, God is going to start taking the donuts away from the church. And God is going to put the church on a nourished diet. And you know what? He's looking for voluntary lovers. He's looking for people who will voluntarily set the donut down and say, you know what? I want to know you more than I've ever known it. And the minute you trot this message out, all of a sudden people say, ah, boy, that's a little... I don't know if that'll play every day. It'll play every day. It'll work every day of your life. And I love what Peter... I need a... Where's Karen? Somebody go... That's to give you hope that he's really winding down. Look what Jesus said to the 12, verse 67. Do you want to go away too? And I love verse 68 because Peter, good old Peter, you've got to understand something. When Peter responds to anything, it's either he's going to brag and mess it up with his mouth or he's going to speak truth. And here's Simon Peter. The word Simon means read, by the way. He was, he, Simon could be blown whatever direction you know, the wind was blowing. He was up one day and down. He was a donut-aholic. But Jesus had seen in, in Simon, He says, they call you Simon, but there's coming a day they're going to call you Cephas. They're going to call you Peter. They're going to call you Rock. Because you know what, Peter? You're going to put down the donuts one of these days. And here's Simon... Peter, read Peter. Yeah, I, I, I like that, that name Simon Peter for this one reason. Most of us are Simon Peter. We're halfway between blowing in the wind with whatever comes along and then there's a little bit of rocky in us. There's a little bit of solidness in it and we don't want know what to do yet with the, with the read part. And we're kind of stuck in between. You know what Paul said it this way in Romans 7, the things that I hate, those are the things that I do. The things that I'm supposed to do, those are the things I don't do. What am I going to do? And then he says, well, here's the solution. There's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he says, guys, are you going to go the same way as the rest of these at the minute that I change their diet? The minute that I tell them, listen, you've been following me for all the loaves and the fishes and for the fellowships and for the music and for the churchy things that, frankly, your pastor is so fed up with. 
I mean, think about it. Do we got this? We can't have church unless we have this, this, and this. And I'm going, for crying out loud, I need to take some of you on a world tour. I can take you to some churches that don't even have windows, friends, that the piano strings on the piano, half of them are broke, and yet they begin to worship. There's the power. The power of the Most High God comes into the room. Why? Because they don't have time for donuts. They don't even get donuts. All they have is the pure sense of the Word. And here's Simon Peter. He says, Jesus, I can answer that question. He says, where do, where do we have to go? There's no place for us to go. Because Jesus, you have the words of life. What's he saying? Jesus, we've tasted the donuts. But we got sick of those a while back down the road here. In fact, we started noticing at the marriage when you turned the water into wine, something was different about you. We noticed a few days ago when you dealt on the water and you walked on the water something is different about you we noticed Jesus back at the well that day with the Samaritan woman you didn't condemn her in fact you invited her to drink of a water that she would never thirst there's something different about you and there's some truth to you there's some nourishment that we've been getting from you and Jesus if we leave you we will die and so we are willing not to eat the donuts anymore we are willing to begin to feast upon the nourishment that you have because you have more you are the words of life where are we going to go? where are we going to go? what donut shop is going to replace what Jesus has for us? so I want to challenge you this morning as we get ready to move I just felt that God flipped a switch last Sunday and I want us to follow the direction God's going I want us to have a mind I want us to know the movements and the timing of a Savior that is ultimately concerned about the Portland-Vancouver metro area He is not willing, friends to give this area over to the devil He is not willing for His church to die in lukewarmness He wants there to be a change in us. And He wants us to move from donuts to He's the bread of life. He wants us to be able to start seeing the signs that are around us. You know what? We're going to talk about signs next week. In fact, we may have a little bit of footage from signs. But we're going to look at the signs. Most people, you never ask... I don't see too many people out here worshiping the signs on the highway. They're not standing, oh, I worship your exit sign. You don't see that. Why? They take it for granted that when the sign says exit, that there's an exit. Come on. How many in the church today, you're worshiping the sign and you're not going where the sign's pointing? Last Sunday, God touched some of you in this room that are here this morning. God miraculously got His hands on your heart and began to massage your heart back to life. That was a sign. But the sign isn't to stand there, oh man, God massaged my heart last week. The sign's pointing to somebody. It's saying, you best go this direction. Good. And by the way, dump your donuts at the door. Let's stand.